Praise the Lord. So we are talking about the miracle life of Jesus Christ, which is our life, and uh, it's really what we have an opportunity to partake of and to partake in. So let's start out with our theme scripture, which is Acts, Acts chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, for all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but they should wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you've heard of me. <clears throat> so, thank you. So this is, of course, written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And um, he's saying, like, the former letter that I wrote to you of all that Jesus began to do and to teach Till the day he was taken up. So we learned uh, the first week that we did this series, <clears throat> we started to learn that Jesus is our model. So we want to look at Christ. A lot of times we make a mistake and we look at Christ as an amazing person and then as God in the flesh, the Son of God. Those are both true, right? We look at him as like beyond any person the world has ever experienced. Very true. Really, Jesus said, I came to show you the Father. So Jesus came to reveal God to us. He came to show us what God is like, what God would be like if he was one of us, you could think of. Um, <clears throat> but he didn't just come to uh, show us this great example. Have you ever been around some people that, uh, you know, you go to Bible school, you, go to, you get around people like this for sure. You travel with uh, internationally known ministries such as Kenneth E. Hagin, and you get around some people that will, tr you know, they give you the impression that you are so like unholy and they're, they like hear from God and you don't hear from God and uh, they're amazing and you're not is <laughs> really kind of the impression you get. And sometimes I think people want to give you that impression and other times I think uh, they're really just so focused on themselves that, you know, they kind of put you to the side. So that's one of the reasons I, I think it's important that we always focus on Jesus. Because if you focus on Jesus Christ, you're going to really exude his love and you're going to um, be more like him. So that's why we're talking about Jesus, our model. We don't want to just look at him as a good person that lived or as even God in the flesh that came and redeemed us. Uh, that's true. Those are all true. But if we stop right there, um, we didn't get what he said. You know, I would say, like, Brother Hagin, when we travel with him, he said, if you just do what I taught you and reteach what I taught you and you don't go further, you never heard what I said. So Jesus Christ, he gave us this example, and I'm so thankful for his example because, really, he, he showed me that I can have, like, everything going wrong in a day and still be full of joy. He showed me that I can have like the largest group of people that are like so dedicated and they're like, I'm going to go with you wherever and they won't eat for three days and there's no food to give them and that there'll be provision. He showed me that, you know, you can walk up to someone that really has just a spark of life, that's all that's left. They're on their last leg, they're gonna die. And they can be raised up. Like he showed me that you can actually see a mother at the worst possible time in her life when she's walking next to the casket of her child. And there can be hope. And not only hope, but life. So we, we look at Christ and, you know, we get real, in the church especially, it's super easy to get religious about it and, you know, uh, deify him. 
because he's God, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> but what he did, you know, we learn in Colossians that he laid aside his mighty power and glory and became just like one of us. He became uh, a man. One translation, I think, says mere man, or Philippians, rather. It says in Philippians. And um, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so when we look at Christ, sometimes we, we put him on so high of a pedestal because he is God, but he came and he did what he did as a man. And so that's why you didn't see him healing birds and animals and little critters when he was a little kid. His ministry didn't start until the Holy Spirit came on him. And that's why, like, we're talking about this study. Jesus said, you know, wait until you be endued with power from on high. Wait until that infusion of power comes on the inside of you and then go. Why did he say that? Because he's our model. He's like, look, do what I did. I did not start my ministry until I was infused with power from on high when I was baptized in the River Jordan and the power of God came inside of me. As soon as that power of God came inside of me and came upon me, then I went out and I ministered. So when you're born again, you receive uh, Christ and the Spirit of God recreates you in your spirit. But you're not... um, most of the time, you're not immediately filled with the Spirit. You could be filled with the Spirit right after being recreated, but you could never be filled with the Spirit without being born again. Because that's the whole reason Christ redeemed us. Because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked with God, talked with God, fellowship with God. Fellowship is like, you know, uh, I don't know. I know most of you. <laughs> the vast crowd. Uh, I know you guys, but I don't know you like God knows you. And I don't know you probably like your husband or wife knows you, except for maybe um, my wife. But even so, um, you know, there'll be times when as a husband and wife, you don't have close fellowship. But think before the fall, God had uh, koinonia, like close fellowship with Adam and Eve. He walked with them and talked with them. And I think of like when you have times of close fellowship with your spouse or with a friend or someone else, especially like talking over the word and the things of God, and you're, you're, you just kind of start to light up and you come alive. Uh, imagine doing that with God. So God enjoyed that, and he always wanted it back. But the problem was when we fell, we died. You know, he said, the day that you eat of, you will surely die. So we died spiritually. We died on the inside. And we had to be made new creatures. I was talking with a lady this past week. Um, I was on a flight to uh, Grand Rapids, actually, from Atlanta. And uh, I'm on the flight, and it's about a two-hour flight. So for about an hour and a half, we just talked about um, the Lord and being born again. And, you know, she had grown up... uh, in a particular denomination, and then now she's part of another uh, denomination, and um, the largest probably denomination now. And, you know, she had grown up uh, believing in Jesus, and then now she's part of a a group of people that maybe are more um, focused. She felt they were more focused on you go pray to a saint in order to get your prayer heard in heaven and those type of things. And, um, you know, I let her know. I said, you know, there's some groups in that denomination that you're a part of that are, like, right there. They're, you know, in the Word, full of the Holy Ghost, you know, everything. But in all groups of people, um, different groups of believers, you'll find churches that can kind of vary a little bit. And you'll find churches that are on fire for God and churches that is just a routine. And in your own life, if you look, you'll find times when you've been on fire for God and times when your life is just a routine. So I'm not really uh, trying to put anybody down. Any of us can find ourselves in that predicament, and any group of people could find themselves in that predicament. That's why it's good to every day you're in the Word and you're in the presence of God so that God can change you. So you don't just like, I've arrived, and so this is my routine, this is what I do. No, we seek God for every little bit that we have. And um, so anyhow, we're uh, flying, and talking about these things and she had uh i think three children and just where they were and none of them are in church right now and those type of things and um you know we got to talking about she's like well i used to i just kind of always believed in god 
And I said, oh, that's good. I said, you know, um, <clears throat> a lot of people believed in God, but they weren't uh, Christian. I said, actually, if the Bible says that even the demons believe in Jesus himself, and they tremble, but obviously they're not born again. They're not Christian. And I said, you know, uh, the word tells us as many as received him to those he gave the right to be the children of God. So I'm not going to the whole conversation, but so we're talking, witnessing to her, different things. And, um, but it got me to thinking afterwards, sometimes we forget that, uh, you know, you have to be a new creature. We kind of slip into the, well, are you a Christian? I told my wife afterwards, I said, you know, I think I changed change how I'm talking to people and asking people because if you ask if you're a Christian then you always have to figure out what's your definition of a Christian yeah. uh, if you ask do you believe in Jesus well who believes in Jesus God believes in Jesus Jesus believes in Jesus I believe in Jesus the devil believes in Jesus the demons believe in Jesus the Pharisees believe in Jesus yeah. so a lot of people see Jesus as a historical figure and a great historical figure and even a prophet yeah. and uh you know, my favorite example would be Nicodemus, where he said, um, you know, we know, this is a, okay, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, teacher of the law, ruler. And he said, okay, Jesus, we know that you're a teacher that's from God. And we know that God is with you because no man could do the things you're doing unless God's with him. Right? So would he qualify, is he born again because he believes that and he just spoke it? We believe and speak and that's what we have. No, because Jesus' next words says, you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. So uh, people are in different states. Some people don't know about God at all. Some people have known about God, like maybe their whole life. And they feel like, yeah, I know, I'm there. But you have to be born again. And, you know, that's, of course, in John chapter 3, talking about being, you must be born again. Uh, a lot of translations say you must be born from above. Because that, like, takes out some confusion. Like Nicodemus had, am I going to go back into my mother's womb? Like, now that I'm old, I'm sure my mom wouldn't like that. And, and, I, might, and I might not either. Uh, but you must be born again. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So Christianity is about a lot more than just knowing about Jesus and believing that Jesus is the Son of God. It's about receiving him and being born again and becoming a new creature and having all these old things pass away and other things, uh, all things become new. So Jesus came so that we could have that fellowship with God restored. And the only way to do that is for us to become a new creature, for the Holy Spirit to recreate us on the inside. Why, why do we need to be recreated on the inside? Because God wants to come and live inside of us. And if we're not redeemed, that cannot happen. We had to be redeemed. So his dream was that he would be so near us that he's inside of us. And without being redeemed, God and sin cannot exist together. So we had to be redeemed. Otherwise, like Uzzah tried to steady the ark. He touched the ark, not supposed to touch the ark. Sinful man touched the ark. What happened? He died. So the ark really came to live inside of us. The ark contained the very presence of God. So when we were born again, we were made uh, acceptable containers for God. Think about, think about that uh, statement. A container for God. That's like a huge statement. That God, Jesus said, I will come live in, uh, one translation says, in, with, and among them by my presence. So if you've got a container, um, if I have like this container, is called a bottle, and it contains water. So as long as the lid is tight, it's going to contain the water. So it has the power to contain water. So uh, we have the power to contain God or to let him loose, right? The, the thing that I'm more amazed with every year and sometimes maybe every month, every week, depending on what I'm meditating on, I'm really amazed as the years go by 
at how much authority God gave you and God gave me. Even before we were born again. Because we have the power to resist the creator of the universe, God himself. We have the power to receive or the power to push back. And uh, it really is amazing. You know, um, we can limit God. A man can limit God. And religious thinking doesn't want to tell you that, doesn't want to think that. Everything is sovereign, whatever the Lord wants. But you really take that to the end, then basically it's, you get into a false, um, a false, uh, we call it, a false understanding of scripture, of like predestination, like, okay, well, I guess everybody is just, who's ever going to be saved is going to be saved, whoever's not going to be saved is not going to be saved, so what does it really matter? That's not, that's not true, uh, because uh, God desires that all men come to the knowledge of the truth, that all men be born again. Jesus would have died if it was for one man or one woman. He didn't die for you or me because we are American or because we are so cool. He died for us while we were still sinners. So all those people that we may see or come in contact with that are still sinners, uh, that's who he died for. And like we said before, really, the people that he was uh, the hardest on were the religious people. But, you know, not to do a study on humility, but I'll take one little rabbit trail. I believe Nicodemus was a very humble man, and he was hungry. So he was religious. He was a leader. But he came to Jesus. And what did he do? He began to ask questions. Actually, he made a statement. He said, we know that you're a teacher come from God because uh, no one can do these things except God is with him. And um, then Jesus began to talk with him. So he was humble and open to God. So he looked and he said, well, God is doing this. He wasn't so stuck on you know, his ways and his group because a lot of times we get nervous because like, well... This other church is starting down here, or these other people, and you know we've got a good thing going on here, and we're growing, we've got all these people, and now this guy comes, and he's like turning everything upside down. And he's like got everything, uh, people are starting to talk. People in the synagogue are talking about, Jesus, do you know, have you heard of Jesus? Did you see what he did? Did you hear what he did? And so this is a leader in that group hearing those things. And he comes to Jesus and starts to uh, talk with him. And then, you know, he was open to hear what Jesus had to say. So it's a good lesson for all of us that uh, you always want to stay open to the Lord. And you always want to take stuff. We are so blessed because we have not only the Old Testament, but we have the New Testament. And we can look at the Word of God and take what somebody's saying or somebody's doing and look at it in light of the Word. Really, you you have the witness of the Spirit, and you'll know something is right or wrong by the Holy Ghost on the inside. But what we do is we educate our minds at the expense of our hearts, and so we elevate our thinking and our position, and we get so self-focused sometimes that we miss what the Lord is uh, trying to say to us. So this week, you know, first week we talked about Jesus, our model, And then the next week we talked about Jesus, our inspiration. When we think of uh, Jesus being our inspiration, you know, one of the biggest things is you should let the love of God and the life of God show through on your countenance because we have a good message. So we see what Jesus did. We talked about that a little bit ago. We see all of these different things that he did, and then we realize that's inspiring me. I can do the same thing. Okay, so if you're up and you're um, doing a Bible study or you're doing a home group or you're preaching to a whole congregation, large group, small group, or you're just interacting with people in daily life and you see what Jesus did and you realize, wow, that he did that not just because he's cool, but he made me cool. (laughs) So like I can do it. You start to, when that starts to dawn on you, you start to get happy. And it really affects how you think, how you talk, how you look. Because you realize, I'm not just stuck with my lot in life or my position in life. 
I'm not really so concerned about that anymore. I'm more concerned about other people's position. Just like Jesus was not, you know, one place I didn't have a place to, you know, pillow to lay his head on, you know. And um, I don't know if he was traveling, got to a hotel, there was no pillow or what. But, uh, I mean, he started out his whole life not in a hotel, but in a um, barn. So you look and you see, like, okay, I'm not really concerned about what I'm doing. Look what he did. And now he's saying, I want you to go and do the same thing. And I start to look and say, like, really? Is that possible? Like, you know, those thoughts start to come. And some of the stuff you're like, okay, yeah, teaching. He taught. Okay, yeah, I, could, I could see myself teaching and uh, preaching. Oh, okay, well, maybe I preach sometimes. I don't preach a lot, but maybe I, I, could, I could see that. And then healing. And we're like, uh, okay, that would be cool. Um, you know, we talk about uh, a lot of times, you know, we're a faith church. So in faith churches, Word of Faith churches, Word of Faith friendly churches, anybody that's kind of like around Word of Faith, you can kind of get where, um, because faith was so neglected for so long, where uh, faith becomes like the premium. Well, really, love is the premium. So you get to where faith is a premium, and hope is like almost uh, uh, despised, held in low regard. So you've got like, but the Bible says that faith, hope, and love, these three endure. And uh, that of those, which is the greatest? Love. Love is the greatest. <clears throat> so faith is really, um, you know, faith and hope, you both get them through the word of God. Because hope, <clears throat> hope will paint a picture. And so like hope for healing, you see this. I didn't, I didn't understand when I was growing up that healing was for us today. I thought that the um, healing passed away with the last apostle. And I, I believe there were healings. I believe like, like there were miracles. The Red Sea parted. Uh, you know, Jordan River parted. <clears throat> Manna fell from heaven. Quail came, all of these things. But I thought like I didn't understand that healing was still for us today. And... Um, Healing is for us today. So hope, I started to get some hope because when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it's interesting, I don't know, I just, I guess when you experience something with God, you're really hungry to be around people that have experienced the same thing. Because you're like talking to people and I had been, you know, for a couple of years in the church I was in in Georgia, just like this hunger just kept growing and growing and growing inside of me, kind of like when you haven't eaten food and you just, it's almost like you feel like your stomach is being eaten out from the inside out. It wasn't painful, but it was like just this yearning desire. And when I would pray, I would like pray and my voice would get louder and louder because I was like, there's something, I'm like, I knew, I don't, you didn't know in your head, you just knew in my heart, there's something missing, there's something missing. So I got filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, speaking in other tongues. And then I started sneaking from my church over to this church across town, and my church didn't believe in women pastors, and this was, church was pastored by a woman. Oh, my. And uh, so I started going there and fellowshipping with them and, you know, started seeing, they actually had an amazing healing ministry there and started seeing people be healed. Well, hope started to arise in my heart, like, oh, you know, uh, there's hope. I had uh, some terminal diseases in my family that existed and, you know, I kind of had always thought up till that point, oh, you might get this, you got to be careful when you get older, that type of thing. I started to get this hope and this understanding, I'm like, wow. And it was a good thing. Hope was not a bad thing. It was a really good thing. <clears throat> so I heard um, Till Osborne say this, and I love it. He said, hope will paint a picture and faith sees the picture and says, I take that. So really, until you have that picture painted, you're not going to like reach up and grab and take it. So hope, hope paints this beautiful picture, and you look at the picture. But really, you get the picture. How do you get the picture? From the Word of God. God gives you a picture of hope. Okay, think about it. One of my favorite scriptures has always been, I don't know why it's been, except for every time I read it, something just in my spirit, I think in the inside of me, my spirit starts jumping and leaping and turning flips and rejoicing. And it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
the hope of glory. So Christ in you, that witness of the Holy Spirit, you know, Christ's presence in you by the Holy Spirit is your hope of glory. What is glory? I mean, I don't want to go into a whole glory message, but it's like the tangible presence of God that you can touch and feel and get anything. The glory of God contains all that God is. And when the glory of God is present, no matter what your need is, you can receive um, from the Lord. So Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ in me, that witness in me, is the hope that no matter what the situation is, no matter what the need is, the glory of God is right there inside of me to answer the situation, to answer the problem, and to put me over. And um, so faith, hope, and love, they will always be with us. Other things are going to pass away, but faith, hope, and love will remain. And, you know, our church is called Anchor Church. <laughs> and hope is the anchor of your soul that enters into within the veil. So enters into the presence of God. The veil was, of course, the veil of the temple that was torn in two. That's like we talked about like 40 feet high or something like that. Amazing. And hope is the anchor for your soul. So sometimes... I don't know about you, I wish I did, but I do not live 100% of my life, 100% of the time, in the God kind of faith. <laughs> and I don't walk in the love of God. The Bible says to be perfected in love, but I'm striving for both. Yeah. That's what I'm doing every day, all the time. But hope is the anchor for your soul. So sometimes when your faith seems weak, when it seems like you lost victory, I think you just take the hope that you can actually succeed and you go into the presence of God with that hope. You get there by the blood of Jesus. You're like, at least I know this, the blood. I sure just did botch this thing up. But the blood of Jesus goes beyond my botched job. And so that hope gets you to the presence of God and then your faith arises. You start to stand up tall and strong and, you know, we come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. And you guys have probably heard that many times, but you don't need mercy unless you mess up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once you're born again, you're a saint that occasionally sins. You're not a sinner that occasionally does good things. <laughs> so, uh, you know, 1 John 1, 9 says to believers, you know, if we sin... Not when we sin, but if we sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And unrighteousness, of course, is that same thing. Like you sin and you feel like, I don't want to talk to God. I don't want to see God. In fact, I'm going to go get some fig leaves and cover myself. I'm going to go run and hide. And as, my, as I have more and more children and my children get older and older, it never ceases to amaze me. You know, there's a law for interpreting scriptures called the law of first mention. But when you see the devil active in your life or the life of your kids, they seem to want to hide. And so um, <clears throat> it's really a tactic of the devil. And, you know, your pastor could maybe say, if you stop showing up, you know, where did you go? Because <laughs> a lot of times, you know, you don't, that's, the, that's one of the um, more disappointing things. In, in life when you have some good relationships with people and you really want to be there to encourage them when they have a downtime. But a lot of times those people pull away during that downtime uh, because they have that sin consciousness and that guilt consciousness. And in some cases, they're happy with what they're doing, so they don't want to hear the truth. Because like whether we want to admit it or not, and we would all admit it in church, but whether we want to admit it or not, <laughs> the Word of God, man, it's got power, the very power of God. And if the word is spoke to you in the midst of your uh, sinning, in the midst of your sin life, it has the power to stop you. It's got power that you can grab hold of to hold you back from doing things that your heart knows you shouldn't do, but maybe your flesh really wants to do or your mind has figured out this is what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, like pride of life and stuff. And um, so even in situations like that, sometimes we want to sin, and so we separate ourselves. And, you know, you're not meant to live life by yourself um, out on your own. Samson did that, and then we saw kind of what, uh, what happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Christ our model, <clears throat> Christ our inspiration. This week we're going to talk about, it's verse 2, we'll just be here for another two hours. Um, actually, <laughs> woo, Keith's running. Um, until the day he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandment. So he through the Holy Spirit gave us a commandment. And um, I don't know how far we'll get into that this week. But, you know, verse 1 was all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So he's our, what? Hmm? Our model, our example. Yeah. So all that Jesus began to do and teach. So we want to look at all that he began to do, all that he began to teach. Isn't it real interesting? You ever had the Holy Spirit move really heavily upon you and you started to prophesy? Or maybe the way I first started um, speaking words from God uh, under inspiration wasn't really speaking, it was actually writing. So I could actually write under the anointing of the Spirit of God and I would just write and write and write. And still to this day, it's not very often that I kind of get a clog in the tubes, (laughs) you know what I mean? But um, if I want to and I start writing, it'll just flow like, and I'm like, that's amazing. I didn't think of any of that. Um, So that was how the Lord had really uh, initially started dealing with me and teaching me how to express his inspiration at the moment. So I would do it through, um, through writing down what he would have to say. Um, and I think it's real interesting that the Holy Spirit so moved upon Luke as he's writing this that, I mean, really all of the writers of the Word of God, but I mean, read this. The former letter, I'm gonna, it's King James, so I'm going to modernize it just a little bit. The former letter have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus uh, began both to do and to teach. And so we see that Jesus, he just started. Like what happens if somebody dies at 33? They haven't even hardly started life. And he, not only was he just 33, but at 30 is when he started his ministry. That's when the Holy Spirit came upon him and he started his ministry. So like, you know, I'm 40 or I'll be 40 next month, but... So if in, I'm not going to, but if in three years I died, people would be like, well, he just started that church. He just, just began, yeah. right? Yeah. Barely got started. And um, hopefully after three years, you'll be able to say things about me like they said about Christ, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> so my goal is to get out of the way and let him just come in. Uh, but either way, you'd probably say that, but especially with someone that was like, transforming the world and transforming like every time you'd hear him speak you'd be one of his closest disciples and you'd be like oh I know da 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 you know are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel and he's like Jeremy that's not really for you to know right now just like listen to what I just said the Holy Spirit's going to come on you give you power just focus on that right or Peter and you know well you can't I'm not going to let you go to the cross you can't do that you know um So all that Jesus began to do and to teach, he just barely got started. And who sent him? God sent him, right? Sent him to teach and to preach and to heal, to reveal himself. You know, you can't can't really go unless you're sent, the Bible tells us. Um, And he came to tell us a new way to God, to tell us a new way. So... All that he began to do and to teach. So God is like, most people would not disagree with with you if you said God knows everything, he's all powerful, and um, he's all present. So God knew what he was doing. And the Holy Ghost inspired Luke to say, "The, the other letter I wrote you was the stuff that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now I'm writing another letter to you. And this is the book of Acts. And who do we hear about in the book of Acts? Through who? The Holy Spirit through who? So we hear about, it's actually called in mind, they titled it the Acts of the Apostles. Some people want to call it the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Sure. Holy Ghost, will you move that chair for me right now? 
keys, will you move that chair? Who's going to get it done? Right? So when you look at the book of Acts, you find out uh, Luke said Jesus, everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. We have that three and a half years, really longer, because it talks about you know, his birth and those type of things. But in his ministry, you have like the three and a half years in uh, the gospel of Luke, the gospel that has his name. And then in Acts, looks like Jesus is continuing to do what he started. Are you getting that? Because uh, the Holy Ghost said, all that Jesus began to do and to teach in the former letter. Now I'm telling you about what Jesus is continuing to do, even though he's gone on to heaven. And he does that through, the Acts is a record of the church of Jesus Christ. So it's our record. Our record as a group of believers, as people that have come into the family of God, have been engrafted into the life of Christ and the kingdom of God. So you can see, just, just beginning right there, all that Jesus began to do and to teach that statement right there says, he started doing all this stuff. Look at what he started doing, and now it's going to continue if you realize that. Yeah. It's going to continue because Jesus said, you know, one of the favorite scriptures is John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly, and that's the life of God, the nature of God. I've come so that you could have that and have it in abundance, and it's better for you later on. It's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. And the whole purpose of why I came and died on the cross was to redeem you, to buy you back, to annihilate sin and annihilate your old life. It's not like he just came and, you know, I think we get too distracted on the blood of a lamb, the sacrifice of a lamb, because the sacrifice of a lamb, I could take that blood, spill it out here all over my Bible, and it could saturate the whole thing and cover the whole thing, but it's just covered. I could still see the words that are written on the pages, but the blood of Jesus Christ didn't cover our sins. It removed them. They're gone. Like if God himself tried to come and find the sins written in the book of your life after the blood of Jesus touched it, God himself could not find those sins. The Bible says that he put those sins in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. And we know that you can go east for an eternity and never reach west. Or you could go west for an eternity and never reach east. Um, so we find out that um, all that Jesus began to do and to teach, he's our model. And then he redeemed us so that the life of God and the nature of God could come inside of us. Once um, the life and the nature of God comes inside of us, then what can happen? We can be Christ in every situation with every person. I mean, think about it. Like, okay, use your mind for a second, your renewed mind. If you were outside of the whole world and uh, equation and you looked at a man anointed of God that lived three and a half years and did the things that he did, wouldn't you want to, like, clone him? Like, let's have, you know, because, I mean, look at, look at the world without Christ. If you watch the news or kind of pay attention to what's going on, you could get depressed. Because the world without Christ is terrible, and I don't care really how evil a lot of people are. Eventually, a lot, you know, most people end up coming to the realization, like, there is a problem somewhere with something. And um, so the world needed a redeemer. And so Jesus came and redeemed us. And he gave the message of God so that we could go give the message of God and watch other people be redeemed. So, it, you know, when we watch people come to Christ, we watch... Um, God worked through us. It, it really is a, a very um, awesome, fun, humbling thing, you know, that God wants to use you and use me and work through us. And all that he began to do and to teach, he showed us how to do it. He showed us how to live. And, you know, you think like, oh, I'm going to get that person back because of what they did to me. And I can't believe they treated me that way. And that's not love's way. And Jesus always walked in love, and then he showed us love's way. You know, you like, turn the other cheek. And, you know, if someone asks for your hat, give him your coat as well. 
So, you know, you've heard it said, if somebody asks for this, then you do this. I'm telling you, no, you go beyond that. You don't do just the bare minimum, just what's required. You do more. And Jesus came to show us what God is like. So, you know, the devil wants us to think like, oh, I have this need, I have this problem. And yeah, God loves you enough. He's like going to give you just enough that you barely make it. You know, like you can barely hold on. And that's not God's heart. Sometimes we stop God because of our unbelief. But the heart of God is to give us more than enough and beyond what uh, we can do. So anyhow, verse 2, until the day he was taken up. Uh, That's our inspiration. So until the day he was taken up. My inspiration is that until the day I'm taken up, I'm going to be working for the Lord. I'm going to be ministering for him. And that's why, you know, like as I travel and just interact with people in daily life, I'm constantly figuring out better ways to uh, ask them about their eternal destination. Like, what's, what's up? You know, what's up with you? Like, this lady, I asked her, I said, do you know, like, um, if something were to happen to you and you passed away, do you know uh, where you would go? Do you know what would happen? You know? She said, oh, I think I, think I do. She's like, well, well, actually, she turned, she said, well, heaven, right? <laughs> so, you know, you hear that response as a Christian, and depending on your Christian walk, you may think, oh, they're not born again, or that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes people just don't like, I was born again um, for years, and I didn't have a good assurance of my salvation. And it was as I was in like the late teenage years and kind of forming, and you kind of start to form your own views, and like, do I believe what I've been taught the whole time, and my parents, and, and all of that. And um, sometimes people just need to be solid in their views. I would say, you could maybe say most of the time if people say that they're, they, they're not born again because faith is believing. You need to know. You can know. Um, but I don't think you can just like legalistically say, well, this is the way it is. They're not born again, uh, that type of thing. But it's important to help people think about these things. And we live in such a time that it's, real, it's not really that difficult. You know, like, man, if ISIS were to come here and things were to happen and, you know, or if somebody just planted a dirty bomb in D.C., like, do you know what would happen? What, do you think there's anything after this? Sometimes I think we make the mistake of we want to come like a Christian and give our little five-point talk or something like that. But really you can just say, so what do you think? Like, what do you think the point of life is? Or, you know, um, what do you think happens after all of this? Do you think it's the end or is it not? You know? And um, anyhow, the Lord, I'm praying, and the Lord's given me lots of different things, different uh, ways to uh, talk to people and approach people. And um, it's good, because it's, uh, it's nice to not just um, have the group that's here go to heaven. <laughs> As you draw nearer to Jesus Christ, I think you probably reflect his heart more, and you find that uh, he's not really concerned about us that are here. He's really more concerned about the lost. And he's going to leave all of us. Ooh, that sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> to go find the lost, the one lost sheep, right? And so uh, you look at the parable of the, of the prodigal son. He's like more rejoicing when one of these people come back, you know. And um, that's not because, I, I mean, think about that. I mean, two or three, you gather together. I'm there in the midst of them, but... Jesus said, like, I'll leave all these others to go help people. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for those that are sick. They need a physician. What is he saying when he says that? Well, we look at, like, oh, his heart's for the lost, and he's, he's after the lost, and that's very true, and we need to, like, meditate on that and let that get a hold of us. But the other thing he's saying is, y'all are doing good. I actually recreated you on the inside. I gave you my spirit. I gave you everything you needed. I redeemed your body and I told you renew your mind and I made you brand new on the inside. You don't, you don't really need my so much attention. I'm going to go out here and deal with this. You got that anointing. You go out there and deal with these other guys. So I, we look at it. You can look at scriptures in so many different ways and sometimes we pass over and just focus on one side of it. But when Christ says, you know what? You know, I'm more concerned about all these people. Of course he is. Like, 
He gave us everything we need through the knowledge of the word for life and godliness. And um, we don't really, uh, what we really need is to be doers of the word and not just hearers. And as we do the word, act on the word, say, you know what, Uh, this is what you said, um, and I believe it, then, um, then we have success. So in closing, you know, we should see Jesus as our model. And, you know, he only did what he heard God say and what he saw God do. And the best way, the primary way that we find that out is through the word of God. The word of God is God speaking to you and God speaking to me. And it's good if we can take the word and make it like God is having a private conversation with us. Like this is God speaking to me. So, um... Stacy, I wrote this letter to you of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. After he through the Holy Spirit had given commandment. And so, you know, I love prophecy and interpretation of tongues and hearing God like speak through people like that and inspiration and writing under inspiration. Uh, but you know, I think if we took especially the epistles in the word of God and received them like God just wrote me this letter today I think you'd find the word of God is like whoa like I've done that and do it and you look and sometimes you're like I have to double look at it I'm like wait a minute really that's pretty good Uh, you start to you know you still maybe see yourself after the flesh so um Do whatever he tells you to do and expect him to do whatever he says he will do. So uh, we look in the word, see what he tells us to do. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Be your your witnesses unto me. uh, And be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts 1.8. And you receive power to do that. Witness uh, is, of course, like I saw this. There's an accident. There's a witness to the accident. Witness is a personal representation and speaking of something that you have personally experienced. So, um, closing with this, one of the best ways that we can be a witness for him is just take when God has changed your life, when you were born again, when you were filled with the Spirit, or when you were overwhelmed and didn't know what to do, and you cast your cares on the Lord, any situation, testimony time. So when you go out and see people, it's testimony time but not really normally with like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ and I realized that because, no, like everyday language. I used to feel like that. I used to, and sometimes I still do have that feeling come that, man, I'm defeated. I can't handle this. It's too much pressure. But I found out God will take that pressure for me. So this is what I do when that feeling comes. Because most people, they don't, they don't know. They just, like, they cope different ways, you know. Alcohol, uh, yeah, another story. But, uh, you know, through any number of different things. Like workaholic. Some things that the world and we might consider good, you know, are sometimes an escape and they're not, uh, they're not us attaching to God and to faith in God. It's us attaching to our own abilities uh, or just trying to, like, get away yeah. from the situation. So um, witness, be a witness. You're, the most powerful testimony that you can give is the testimony that you have experienced. So this is how I was. God changed me. Look at this. And then that's us, you know, kind of presenting the gospel. All that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taking up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment. When the Holy Ghost, he had given commandment. When God gives you a command... Like, um, if I said, Jeremy, put me on your shoulders. He has a choice to make. 
Like, is he going to do it or is he not going to do it? Or maybe a better one would say, um, Jeremy, we're looking for a house. Give me all the money that's in your bank account. Not to the church, to me personally. Okay, so he has a choice to make. Is he going to do it or is he not going to do it? And this is, you know, Tim, Pastor Tim talking, so it's not like Jesus talking. But Jesus gave us a commandment, and um, we have a choice to make. Like, go into all the world. Do we, do we just let it pass in one ear, out the other? Do we do anything with it? Do we not? And um, we'll be talking about that next week. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for uh, illuminating your word to us and showing us uh, really things to come, that you show us uh, your plan and your purpose. Father, we um, plead the blood of Jesus over everyone that's here and everyone that's listening to this message. Father, we just uh, ask that you would continue to unfold your word to us, continue to unfold your plan to us. Thank you for inspiring us to step out, inspiring us to uh, be just like Jesus and to hold on to you just like he held on to you, to be your expression in the earth just like he was uh, your expression in the earth. Father, I pray as we go this week that you give us uh, great opportunities, that you give us words to speak, Father, uh, that we can uh, be like Jesus approaching the woman at the well and uh, just communicate your love and new ideas to people that maybe they've never Uh, thought or realized. We plead the blood of Jesus over our city, our region. Father, we just um, ask that you would uh, cause our voice to be uh, expanded and uh, cause many to be able to hear uh, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, We thank you for great buildings, great helpers, um, great finances, and uh, most of all, for a great anointing that when we come together, we get to meet with you and learn from you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.